Hello, listeners. Today, I have Daniel Lamar with us, who is the Executive Vice Chairman of Cirque de Soleil, a position he took after serving for nearly two decades as the circus and entertainment company's president and CEO. He is the author of the wonderful book, Balancing Acts, Unleashing the Power of Creativity in Your Life and Work, which describes how others can unleash Cirque's creative management techniques, even if they're not in the business of clowns and acrobats. In this episode, Daniel and I discuss leadership, creativity, and his journey. So I really enjoy this episode. I hope you do as well. What does it truly mean to be a leader? Welcome to The Executive, a podcast that highlights the career journeys, struggles, successes, and day-to-day experiences of leaders. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, bringing over 10 years of experience as a leadership and career coach, L&D consultant, and healthcare executive. My mission is to guide leaders towards creating a career they can love. Thank you for listening. Now let's hear from the executive. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I was reading Balancing Acts, and actually the first chapter, the title is that uh, without creativity, there is no business. Uh, what a powerful statement. And I might not have gotten the words exactly right, so feel free to to alter them uh, to your liking. But can you expand on that thought? Yeah, I think if you would call the uh, former employees of Kadak, they will tell you that you know they turned down the idea that one day digital will replace uh, paper for photograph industry. And uh, that's what I meant. I meant if you are not creative, one day you will lose your leadership and it could, go, it could go as bad as losing your company because one day you will wake up and someone else is going to eat your lunch by bringing innovation that can kill your company. So I heard the word innovation. And so how would you define creativity? If someone's listening to you and they're just like, okay, but what, is, what does creative, creativity mean? Does it mean drawing outside the lines? Does it mean just drawing? Does it mean having to do flips? Like, what does it actually mean? Yeah, the, the definition I like is, is creativity for me is, is to find and develop and generate and create a new solution to a problem, a new product, a new service, a new way of handling your organization. And to me, there is the big C and the little C. The big C are when you do a breakthrough, like launching a new product for me is a big C. The little C is how you can, in your day-to-day life, change the way you're doing things. It could be internal communication, it could be your marketing. And uh, so that's where you really need creativity in your life. Is it is it possible, and this is a loaded question, to have big C's without little C's, or do, do you need them both? Yeah, I, I, I think you need both. Uh, but sometimes what will happen is that if you're creative uh, in your little C's on a day-to-day basis, it will help you probably to discover something that will become a big C, i.e. if you spend quite a bit of time in doing a great marketing, then maybe in researching, uh, in your marketing activities, you might find a new opportunity to launch a new product. Mm-hmm. When I hear the differences between little C's and big C's, I'm thinking of, okay, little C, maybe they're the hints that a culture, like hints of the culture within an organization. And maybe something like a, like the dress, like a dress code, 
or how, how people just expect you to to uh, communicate. I mean, were, were there any specific, like unique little C's or even uh, that uh, that were part of Cirque's culture that were maybe new for you as as a leader? Yeah, I used to be, you know, a very traditional business person before I joined Cirque du Soleil 21 years ago. And I had the opportunity to observe great create creators, such as our founder, Guy La Liberté, or having the opportunity to work with the Beatles and James Cameron. And those people has influenced the way I approach a day at the office. Now I started the day at the office to say, what can I do today that will change this organization? And that's a spirit that you have to have if you really want to make a difference. Well, I guess, can we go back a little bit further in your executive leadership journey and just share with our audience members a little bit about how you started and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, I, I had an interesting journey because at the beginning, uh, you know, I was a, a PR expert and I, I, I took over the uh, activity of Burson Marsteller and opened their Montreal office. Then I opened my own office with partners to build the largest uh, PR firm in Canada and then became the CEO of a TV uh, company. And after that, Guy called me a typical phone call from London saying, I had an amazing flash last night. And I said, what is it? He says, you're going to join the circus. <laughs> and here I am 21 years later. Wow, I know it's the way that you've described it seems very fluid and very seamless. But uh, can we go back to, you know, that before you became the CEO of the first organization and just describe a little bit more about what it took to move into that leadership role and also what was the interest of taking that level of uh, taking on that level of responsibility as well yeah you know first of all uh you know being a pr person i didn't see me at the time as a business person but when i founded my own pr agency then i became an entrepreneur and that was the first step to learn more about the business then when I moved to the TV industry, the company was traded on a stock market. So therefore, uh, there was an amazing school for me to understand better how the financial community works. And then when Guy called me to join the circus, then I think I was ready to manage an organization, but very little did I know that this organization was very, very different than anything else I had seen before. And then again, I had to be very, very humble and accept the idea that I had to understand better the entertainment industry. Yeah, what were some of the changes that you had to, or some of the things you had to adapt to moving into the circus? Yeah, you know, when I was in PR or when I was the head of a TV network, I had some benchmark. You know, because those are more traditional, simple organization. And that was easy for me to observe the competitors and understand better uh, how I could change uh, the way I was managing the company. When I joined Cirque, I said to Guy, the founder, oh, let you know, I'm a quick learner. You know, it, it, it will go very, very rapidly. And he laughed at me and he says, Danielle, 
there is nothing like this organization. And in my early days, I was looking for a benchmark. There is no benchmark benchmark to Cirque du Soleil. We're not a Broadway company. We're not, uh, you know, a concert company. We're alone in our league. And that's great because we have the leadership that we have. But on the other end, when you join this organization, it's difficult because everything you do on a day-to-day basis is totally unique. So then how do you have um, any sort of, I guess, leadership vision or um, how do you stay cons- consistent in an organization towards that level of uniqueness? I'm just trying to think like, okay, so you, you're leading and you have to motivate everyone around you to work towards a specific goal. And so how do you then measure that progress or motivate towards that progress without any benchmarks, as you mentioned? Yeah, so, so first and foremost, the first exercise for me was to understand who's doing what in the organization and what's great and what will be my added value. And I think that's a question that the leader should ask to himself or herself, you know, what is there that I can offer to this organization that will make a difference? In my case here, I rapidly saw that, you know, nobody was really spending the time needed to develop and grow the organization. So therefore, I thought that my, you know, empathy for new business development would be something that will bring a different contribution to this company. And that's how I started to really focus more on business development and convince my employees, my colleagues, that it was very, very important if we wanted to really increase the footprint of this organization globally. I know leaders entering new roles sometimes, especially when they're in very different industries, sometimes we can start doubting our success and our strengths. It sounds like you found what that unique proposition of yourself was, which was business development. Did that evolve and change over time at all in your tenure at Cirque? Yeah, obviously it it did, uh, because then I I put together a team that could take it over from from me. You know, to me, for a leader, it's very, very important that if you come to the office in the morning, you have nothing to do. (laughs) What I mean by that is that you have been able to delegate most of the responsibility that you are able to oversee all the activities and basically your role became a leadership role but in a very discreet way and what i mean by that is that you are very clear with all your key players what you are expecting from them and therefore have the opportunity to be able to follow the way it evolves in each sector of your organization. And then your role became a role of a motivator, someone that makes sure that people are excited by the ultimate goal of your organization. That's a great lesson. How do you define leadership from like an overall general statement? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost is someone that has a vision 
and share the vision with the entire employees of the entire organization. So it's important that people understand what is expected from the organization and therefore that they're able to measure with me or with the leader of the company how they're doing. Because what will a regular employees wanted to know from the leader is, bus, how are we doing? Are we doing great? Are we doing average? They, they, you know, you have to understand that your employees are very intelligent people. And therefore, you know, you have to treat them as partners that they can share with you the success and the failures of the organization and with you learn from there. So uh, right now, listeners, just so you know, if you, if you can't see the video at the moment, uh, Daniel popped on a, a, how would you define that? A, a clown nose or is there a different name? It's a clown nose. Yeah. Clown nose. How is, how is little moments like that or little additions like that uh, become part of uh, your style of leadership, if at all? Yeah, I, th I think it's important that people understand in any organization what they stand for. And, and, and in our situation, we're an entertainment company and it has to be fun because you cannot you know, entertain an audience by being too serious or taking yourself too seriously. So for us to remind ourselves what we stand for, I have my personal clown working for me here. It's called Madame Zazu. And she will interfere in my meetings and make fun of me. And it's obviously I'm not suggesting that everybody hire a clown, but I, I'm suggesting that your core business is represented in your office, that people remind why they stand for. Because sometimes we tend to forget the purpose of what we're doing as an organization. And for us, the clown is a reminder not to take ourselves seriously and also to make fun out of us. Because if you have a culture of fun, then it's easier to be creative in show business. And that's what we do at Cirque. I, when I heard about the personal clown, it, one made me go on TaskRabbit to try to find my own, but maybe just on certain days of the week. It, it is it's so critical because it, it is so easy to forget and get um, get into, kind of just get uh, drowned in the work itself, right? Be so focused on the work itself. And to have a constant reminder of the values of your organization and also your customer, I think is so incredibly smart in terms of being able to create and sustain and to grow a culture of an organization that aligns with what you are creating in the world. Yeah, no, it is, it is for sure. And, and, and for instance, if I have a meeting and if I get bored between meetings, I will just go in the studio and see our artists rehearsing for, for a new show. And, and just that you understand, our studios are open to any employees. It doesn't matter if you work in finance or in HR, you are allowed to go and watch what our artists are doing. Why is that? Because then again, I want 
them to remember what they're doing and why they're doing it. Even if you're in finance, what you do will have an impact on the next show that we are developing. And I want them to feel empowered to go there and watch how, what our artists are doing any time of the day. What percentage of the employees at Cirque would you say are artists, performers? Yeah, about 50%. Uh, out of the 4,000 employees we have right now, 2,000 are artists. And if you add to that the technicians and the staff on uh, show sites, uh, you're probably up to 3,000 people. And, uh, and, and, you know, today as we speak, we have 38 shows around the world. So it's a lot of people that are disseminated all around the world. Wow. And it's incredible the impact that Cirque has had. I mean, even just transforming Las Vegas to um, providing job opportunities, right, for creatives, performers, and artists as well. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, from what I've heard in other interviews, it's it's an important uh, passion and purpose for you yourself personally. Yeah, no, it is for sure. Uh, because as you know, it's very, very difficult for an artist to have a decent living out of their passion. And the opportunity I have every time I open a new show, I'm offering about 150 jobs to people that can earn their living in a very decent way and that they can not work for us, but really bring their passion with us. And for me, it's such rewarding to see an artist that can enjoy every day of its life by performing in front of, it, of an audience. And for me, that's my ultimate purpose. You've led through some pretty tumultuous times, to say the least. And if you look, you know, if, if it's to give artists jobs and to allow them to express their creativity, you know, it's the external environment didn't always make that easy. What advice would you give for leaders? Um, people are very uncertain on what's potentially going to happen next. How do they keep their employees uh, excited, motivated, apart, tr trusting the company even? Yeah, as you know, uh, this company has been shut down for 15 months uh, because of uh, the pandemic. And that was probably the toughest period of my life because you know, I was so sad that I had to let go all those employees. But I think the smart thing we do, even if they were not for that period of time, legally our employees, we have treated them like if they were. And more importantly for our performers. So we stay in touch with them on a regular basis to make sure that they will continue to train even during the pandemic that whenever the market is back, they will be ready to go back on stage. That was probably the best investment of all because when we wanted to reopen our show 18 months ago, they were ready to rock. And we have been able in that period of time, i.e. 18 months to bring back all of our shows. And, and that was so rewarding to see our artists being back being excited and even 
you know, the, the, the public, the audience, you know, right now we're going to end 2022 and we would have sold more tickets than we did before the crisis in 2019. So I'm, I'm very excited by that uh, achievement. Unbelievable. And uh, it's just incredible. It's a testament to your leadership as well as the values of the organization. Uh, I am, I'm really curious of what motivated you to write a book, by the way, because it's, it's an incredible book and I, I hope we can share it with the audience members and anyone listening. I highly recommend it. Thank you for that. Listen, uh, you know, because I had the opportunity to work with so many amazing creators and I had learned so much about observing the way they were creating our shows that I thought it would be convenient to share my learnings with people. And uh, coming from a business person, I thought it will bring an artistic point of view on creativity that can really help traditional business people to review the way they're leading their organization and the importance of nurturing creativity within their organization. So that was my ultimate goal. And so far, uh, I feel rewarded by the reaction I've got. And I have a lot of fun uh, having the opportunity to do what we're doing right now, which is to exchange with people and talk more about how we can nurture creativity. And taking us back to our, the first, one of the first statements you made during this episode, which was creativity is also innovation. It's also how you approach business problems. It's not just what some people think is just art overall. Um, so there is also, there's a huge component of process as well within creativity. And one of the things I just want to call out from your book uh, was the four criteria, because I think it's, they're really interesting. And I think something that I'd love to share with our audience members, if you, if you'd like to expand on that for a moment. Yeah. You know, we always wanted to make sure, and that's criteria number one, that we focus on a creative challenge, you know, because if we don't have that creative challenge, it's kind of impossible for us to succeed. Then the second thing is to make sure that the partner we're dealing with will share uh, our values. And therefore, you know, we're able, and that's the third segment, third criteria, is to make sure that financially the project may make sense. The fourth one, which is dear to my heart, is that to make sure that we with our partner, whomever it is, we would socially get involved in a project. And that was interesting because when you start a negotiation and you share your, your, your criteria, uh, I've seen people getting very surprised, in some cases not to say annoyed, but it helped us to select the right partners, to select people that would share your values and that's why right now we're spoiled because we're having great partners, you know, such as MGM in Las Vegas, uh, Disney in Orlando, Videnda in, in Mexico. And those are people that share our values and have helped us to grow during all those years. It's so powerful. And it's almost like this filter to put decisions through to help you stay aligned with who you want to be as an organization and who you are as a leader. 
So highly recommend all our listeners check out Balancing Acts, Unleashing the Power of Creativity in Your Life and Work. And I'd love to leave our audience members with some final bit of advice that Daniel has in regards to leadership or the executive journey. So leave it a little open-ended, but what comes to mind? Uh, first and foremost, uh, in today's world, more than ever, a leader has to be someone that is able to mobilize its employee behind an ultimate goal that the company wants to pursue. And how are you going to achieve it? By being more creative. How are you going to be more creative? By sending a clear signal to your employees that they are entitled to come and bring new ideas that will change your organization and will enhance the leadership of your organization. Oh, powerful words. Open the door to communication. And I imagine that also requires that, that you respond to those ideas in a certain way. If you, if you open the door to listen to them, then how, how might you have to respond to them? Yeah, yeah, that's very, very important. But you also have to send a clear signal about what you're looking for, because you cannot just go in a boardroom and say, oh, let's be creative today. It's a waste of time. You have to start the meeting by saying, this is the kind of idea that we're looking for. This is the kind of solution that we're aiming at. This is how we want to reshape our organization in the future to make sure that our employees fish in the, you know, are doing fishing in the right lake and, and not trying to, to, to bring ideas that will be unrelevant to what you're facing today. So sending a clear signal with clear objectives will make the creativity works for you. Wonderful. Uh, thank you again, Daniel. If our listeners want to learn more about you or send uh, send how much they love this episode, how can they how can they do that? Uh, they they can just come. You know, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, uh, and uh, I'm also uh, I have my uh, personal uh, you know email address. They can communicate to Danielle.Lamar at Cirque du Soleil in one word dot com. And uh, I'm always looking forward to hear feedbacks on a conversation like this one. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you again, Daniel. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to you. Have a good day and happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the Executive Podcast, where we explore what it truly means to be a leader. If you've taken one thing away, make sure to subscribe, share, and most importantly, leave a review. Thanks again, everyone. And see you next time.